0: Welcome to the I Will Stand Strong podcast with authors Jason Jimenez and the Benham Brothers. I Will Stand Strong is a culturally engaging podcast that seeks to reinforce Christians to stand strong no matter the cost by sharing powerful stories and providing a biblical perspective to the big issues facing Christians today. So, whatever you're going through, the guys are here to build you up and awaken a generation to follow Jesus. And now, here's the guys.
1: What's up, friends? Welcome to I Will Stand Strong podcast. Jason Jimenez with you as always, and sadly but true, with the Benham Brothers. <laughs> yes, you know, you, you say welcome, <laughs> welcome. Yeah, it's, well, w- it's welcome. welcome. It's welcome. <laughs> well, see, I know we're in the South, so welcome, my we'll friends. Say it like Texans. We live in we live in Charlotte, North Carolina. So with that, let's do this. So, what's up, y'all? Y'all doing good?
2: Yeah, no, y'all's not that much. Y'all, that's not that not big deal. That's Well, not you guys, Charlotte. that's more Texas.
1: Well, that's true. you you guys came from Texas, and you yeah, came out right. here with y'all. Well, I didn't. I'm, re- I hail from Arizona, so you know. But, so now, so we you're live, making fun of me when we just start off? You know, we're here to help people stand strong, and you're, you're like, make the fun one of the that way. I say started, welcome. You started it. Welcome. I okay. was
2: going to say that now we live in one of the 49 lesser states, what and is when that? you're a true Texan,
1: oh, I see what you're saying. Oh, you're one standing. of those people. Yeah. You guys think you're better because you guys came from Texas. Why'd you move then? I don't know.
2: So you guys just walked in self contradiction no, there. We we fell in love with the Carolinas during the minor leagues. We just couldn't get away from it. So you guys just okay, good here to are, be in Texas. Let's move so we're,
1: we're Here we are. let So we are here. So
2: we heard our you guys. story. We need to hear your <laughs> yeah. story now. So open up. We, we mommy. just did our
1: story, man. Yeah. So now so today. So we can. So you guys won't talk. And you're going to let me talk and and tell my story. Unless you make a good point, and then we'll jump. I'm in. I'm always making good elaborate points there, on those Holy points. Spirit. Yeah. Well, listen. Before we we dive into my story, if you guys have already checked out our previous podcasts. Um, then that's awesome. We thank you guys for your support. If you have not, there are other podcasts out there. Check those things out. And one of them, the Benham brothers talked about their story, which is very powerful. And it definitely has been just an incredible testimony to see for the last few years how God has used them in a mighty way, not just in the church world, but the impact that they're having uh, around the nation politically, in the media, in business. And so we just want you guys to know that there are many Christians out there that are standing strong in their faith for the Lord. And we are here to spotlight those sometimes because oftentimes with the fake news, you know, as Trump says, you're not gonna get a lot of these great, amazing stories that even Fox News, JB, doesn't even touch on. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so we will touch on them here. On I Will Stand Strong Podcast, because we want you guys to know that there are amazing people out there that are living for Christ. So as always, you can check out our website, IWillStandStrong.org, the Ben and Brothers websites, all the books, articles that we do, Stand Strong Ministries, Take that we the cover. Pledge. Take the pledge, Take as it. always. I think that's a big thing. If you want to know immediately, a call to action. It's great that you're listening and you're sharing it. That's part of the movement but take that pledge and let people know that you are standing strong in three key areas that we always want to emphasize on this podcast. Number one is to love God and his word. Number two is that you are living in community. As Christians, you cannot grow alone. Mm -hmm. You need to grow together. Philippians 4.1 tells us to stand strong in one spirit. Okay. So yes, we stand strong in the mighty power of God, Ephesians 6.10, but we also do it as a body of believers. And number three is to lead as a voice of truth, no matter where you are at. So love,
2: live, lead. That's pretty creative. But but, I think but you're not supposed
1: that. to end a sentence with the
2: word at. It's Listen, just, you have to lead this is copy, wherever this, you are. That's this, copy editing, not now, wherever, wherever you, you are at.
1: This this, this is, where this you is at? conversation. Grammatically, we don't always have to be correct when we're dialing. So JB, just Please be quiet. I'm here to help. And when I point to you, then you can start talking. Hum- right, the focus, hum- the <laughs> focus is your story now. Yeah, Let's hear yeah. your story, man. So, yeah. and,
2: and, and I just, I do want to say this before you jump in. Authenticity is needed in the body of Christ. We can't pretend that we're all perfect. I think for, I remember when Jason and I were young boys, uh, and, and then we went to Liberty, and, and oftentimes people will speak. And when they speak, it's in my mind, I was like, man, they're so good man, they speak so awesome. I bet they've never done what I just did, or they never would think what my brother was thinking. Oh, trust me, Jason, some of his thoughts, holy cow. Jeez, amen <laughs> to that, man. No, but, but, but we've gotta be we got to be real. we got to be reals. David, real on what I thought. <laughs> yeah, but we, we have be to be willing to share our struggles. We have to be willing as leaders to step in and speak. And man, when a parent hears that and can give this podcast to their kid and say, hey, listen, these dudes, you know, are entrepreneurs or wrote books and best selling authors and all this, but look at what they did when they were seven. But in reality, and they're idiots just like they're, you, they're little idiotic. Johnny. <laughs> it gives us so much <laughs> hope. An and You're it also an uh, Jason great. and I, we just spoke at a we just spoke at a men's event. And and all the men were there, and, and I just had them, no music, nothing at the very end. And I said, I want every head bowed and eye closed, and I want you, if you're a man right now, and you are struggling with sin, or you're struggling with your identity in Christ, and you're really underneath it. You know, the devil, it says he comes to rob, kill, and to destroy, and he's active and his demons are active and he's robbing killing and destroying identity and he's robbing killing and destroying our hope and and we get our eyes on the culture and and on the issues around us instead of getting our eyes up into heaven and realizing our identity in christ and man these dudes and i said look i'm not going to ask you to raise your hand i'm not going to shame you i just want your eyes to meet mine and i'm telling you man it was an that was a holy spirit transaction because dude one man after the other, young boys, teenage kids, another man, back in the back, up front, all these men just began to look at me right in the eye. And I said, the minute we meet eyes, then put your head back down. And I'm telling you, when we begin getting real, when we begin getting authentic, when we begin in community looking another man or, or women looking another woman or young girls looking your mothers or some of the mentors in your lives in the eyes mm-hmm. and saying, I'm struggling, Right. And leaders doing the same thing, man. That's the way we get revival. And then on that foundation, we then can say we will stand strong yeah. because we understand our identity in Christ. So that leads into you telling us about and your really story. And I'm really glad that David's going to give you an opportunity to speak. I am. Him and his, You've only got. A I was few wondering left. if he was going to keep going for another ten or fifteen. It's fine. We just edit him out.
1: I mean, that's that's yeah. a great thing about. Listen, post- I got an editing. offering plate that, here. You know? I'd like to pass. <laughs> yeah, I know. I I'll just gave my life song. to the Lord just, just, just by hearing that. I know. I anyway, enough of the Ben and Growing brothers. Growing up Let's, in the
2: Baptist church, man, we straight up sang that "Just as I am" so many times, and I'll tell you, my tears start rolling down my cheeks. And now, you know, you go to a non-denominational church, and they got the cool lights and the music and all this stuff, and I'm thinking, man, we need to just break out but some I mean, "Just as it's not, I am."
1: It's, it's not always that's not always bad, dude. You need you need uh, a
2: little it's not elevation. Bad. I'm just saying, dude. I love Bring
1: that's some, that's the that's where we song. live.
2: Let's let's just tell David no more talking so no more David, talking please. So let's go to him. I guess I'm just always going to apologize Okay, to our I'll listeners. press pause. Just go. let's just Ready, let's set. just be
1: quiet. Go. All right, so here here's the thing though. And I, again, I know we all struggle when it comes to sometimes talking about yourself and and about your story and uh, and not just because sometimes people think they're tooting their own horn, but really because we don't like talking about ourselves and, and, and the insecurities that come with it. Because to be honest, you guys, even going in my 40s now with four kids, been married for 17 years, been a pastor for 21, I've realized how much I do suck, you know, and, and, <laughs> now, and you special, know you I don't let my kids, I do not, hold on, I don't let you my have to kids say, I say I do suck, suck. No, I, because it's a euphemism. No, no, listen, you suck too. But, oh, come no.
2: on! <laughs> Use the word stink. <laughs> stink. stink is okay. a better word. I stink. know my kids are listening to this yeah. podcast. David Benham's children do not do sing not
1: and, and 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 also with my kids too. So that's the point. They'll see that's why I stink. <laughs> there
2: you go. He did it. He's he already made it. a change.
1: Your you know, original sin. There, there it is. There's a bit yeah, of rebuke on a
2: podcast. But the, you rebuked but me last I, podcast. Yeah, I
1: rebuked you. So I got rebuked, and then David's gonna get rebuked in the next one. So that's how that's how we do it here. No, but the the reality is that when it comes to telling about our stories, oftentimes it's just hard because of insecurities that we have and. Embarrassment sometimes because when you look at my story again, it's nothing special. You know, we oftentimes think that it's nothing special, you know, with the story. But when I do look back at my life and I see God's hand in my life, I am so thoroughly grateful. I'm so humbled and I'm so appreciative. Every single day, I give thanks to the Lord for what He's done in my life. And I pray that He will do something special today, you know, in the moment because of that eternal perspective. But growing up in Arizona, you know, we grew up Catholic for a few for a few years there when we were we were younger, my two older brothers are going to a, a Catholic school. My mom, though, prior to them getting married, was already pregnant with my oldest brother, Jeremy. And because of that and the circumstances back in the in the mid seventies, they're pot smoking people. My both my parents, um, they were high school dropouts, uh, they were forced to get married. I want to, I would say that they were probably in love a bit, but they had a lot of issues. And so starting their marriage out, they were already going to have a kid and my dad didn't have a job and he was a dropout mm-hmm. and he, and he was a Catholic guy and he smoked a lot of pot and and his dad, my grandfather at the time had a liquor store that he worked at. And so he was already exposed to a lot of alcohol. So the Jimenez family, the Hispanic uh, community there, they were heavily in alcohol and they were very, very devout Catholics. Hmm. My mom, coming from Illinois now, she's this white girl, blonde hair, blue eyes, Southern Baptist, complete opposite of my father. Right? She was tall. He was short. I mean, every which way. And here they are, raising this, this little boy. And they didn't really know what faith that they were going to embrace, whether they're going to go in the Catholic domain or the Baptist domain. Well, fast forward. They have my brother Joe. Then they have me. And they're already on the brink of divorce. My dad can't keep a job. They declare bankruptcy. And I remember growing up now and just kind of having this wishy-washy faith. And praise the, God, because, praise the Lord, because at one point, one of my family members came to know Christ as her Lord and Savior. And she was relentless. So she comes home to the, him and his family, and she begins to share Christ. And my dad came, came to Christ. He gave his life to the Lord. And that, that really started to change. Because it was no longer like this wishy-washy. It was like, bam, it's all about Jesus. We're going to go to church. We're going to be raised in the Bible. We're going to really speak the truth of God in our lives. And my dad, I start to see a major shift and change in their marriage and how he's trying to take the lead and teach us the Bible. But the hard thing, though, sometimes that he had was just being consistent. Yeah. And I remember it was just sometimes and then it wasn't. Then it was sometimes and it wasn't. And then we start to see argue, arguments start you know spewing out over different matters pertaining to the kids or finances or or my dad not leading, whatever. And I remember distinctively, you guys, there was a time when I was a child, and I remember every night going to bed saying, "Lord, just help my family, bring more love, bring more forgiveness, and use me." And I'd pray for my mm-hmm. dog, my little dachshund. And I and remember what was your dog's name? His name was Cody. Did okay. you say
2: dachshund? Like dachshund. Okay. No, it's, a, it's with a T. Jason, leave you, him alone. Yeah, He's being alone. really vulnerable hey. right now. Don't go we're, off we'll on talk about the sure Don't better. go off on his mispronunciation I of know. Dotson. What is this?
1: What is this guy? <laughs> it, it, uh, but I remember, I remember one night, they got in this huge argument, and my mom slapped my dad across the face. And I remember tears are started you know, to come out, and I just was so discouraged. And they had separated for a while. How old were you? And I was probably about, I don't know, 12, 13 years old, probably. And so, my two older brothers, I remember us getting together saying, okay, if they get divorced, then this is what's probably going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, who's going to stay with what parents? And I don't remember all the details, but they worked things out a little bit and they were getting some help in the church. It's so While, sad kids would have to
2: have that type of discussion. Yeah. I mean, it was. And and it's it it's happened a lot today. And it's happened.
1: That's the saying. A lot of people listening right now probably can relate in even worse situations what we face. But then at 15. Suddenly my mom was killed in a car accident and that was it we lost her Whoa. and I was 15 years old and I remember going to the hospital and they were trying to revive her they're trying to save her but she had internal bleeding and they couldn't save her and I remember the doctor even saying if we were able to help your your mom and she and we stopped the bleeding internally the amount of damage that she suffered on her brain she would be a vegetable for the rest of her life I remember at that time my dad grabbed his four boys and he took us outside and this was in the heat of the summer in 1994. And he grabbed her hands and he said, Lord, your will be done. And I remember all of us crying. We were just shocked. And and within that hour, the, they came to us and said that she, uh, we lost my mom. So going through something like that tr- tr- in, in a tragic way, just, re- I, I think in that defining moment, you guys, it, it just, it did something in me. Wow. It, and it was about that life is real and death is real. Mm. And I remember even growing up my mom would say periodically God has his hand on you son you're going to be a pastor or God's going to use you because your love for God's word because that was always like there It was like almost implanted in me it's always a desire mm. I would turn to
2: Can I pause real yeah. quick and just encourage the moms that are listening and the young ladies that are listening that I've seen that even with my wife speaking to my boys and then Jason and I's mom who is home with mm-hmm. Jesus her speaking into our lives. There's the power in your words. The words, your words, can bring life or death. And when you speak into mm-hmm. your child, you speak into their lives. It breeds
1: destiny. It does. And so I, I carry that with me. Didn't hey, you know, can then, I
2: interrupt you once? Because David threw something in. I want to say something good about your dad. That your dad, no matter wait, how did you bad say matter stuff, or madder? No, no, no matter. M A T T E R. No matter what he did in the past, one of the One of the most vivid memories that you have of him was when he took you outside Mm -hmm. and held your hand and prayed. Mm -hmm. There are dads out there who've messed up. I mean, I know I've messed up with my kids and, you know, lost my temper and done and said things that I wish I hadn't done. But you know what? We can't go and fix those, but we can just simply live in light of, you know, the power of Christ now and be able to make good memories for them. And one day our kids, they'll, they'll remember those good things,
1: just yeah. like you just did with your dad. Yeah, I mean, so it was it was definitely a, a moment to remember, even in tragedy, right, that God was working something for good. Well, you know what that did? It launched me, actually, because I had several pastors after my mom's funeral come up to me and say, because I delivered kind of a eulogy there, and it was kind of my first little sermon at 15. I still have the notes back then. And they came to me, and they said, hey, we see a calling in your life. This may not make any sense to you right now, but when when, uh, the time comes, we're going to call on you, and we just want to spend some time with you. I had no idea what that meant. I'll never forget this one pastor who was a phenom athlete and he was a coach and he also worked at this church where we had the funeral where we were attending church it was a calvary chapel at the time he would he would pick me up every week after school and we'd go play tennis or basketball we'd go work out and then he'd open the bible and we'd sit out there and we'd go through it and then when he would be preaching he would show me how to put together you know his notes and how to study the scriptures and all that kind of stuff and i was very intrigued by that well, fast forward, I graduate early, and I had all this academic scholarships to to attend to around the nation, and I was debating about which ones I was going to take. Well, my brother, my second oldest, was diagnosed with cancer, and it didn't look like he was going to live. And I remember at that time, I had a little brother. My dad had been remarried, so th- think about all the listeners right now that come from blended families, because I do. Mm-hmm. And just the struggle and just the, the nuances, you know, the complexities that was coming out of those situations. And I remember I just felt I need to stay here. Well, by turning down all these academic scholarships, I decided to stay with my family and go through this pastoral internship in Tucson, Arizona. And it was there, my friends, that I learned about God's grace, about the calling to become a shepherd of people's souls, 1 Peter five four to be that pastor that my mom was prophetically telling me when I was a kid Hmm. and seeing the time that these pastors were spending with me and the, the love that I had for them, the respect that I had for them, the mentors that God had put in my life and the meaning that it had in my life. Well, I remember this was it. This is what God had called me to do. It wasn't basketball, wasn't investment, or different things that I was looking to do. Or or a lawyer. Or going backwards in bitterness. Or going backwards, yeah, And using, despair, yeah. which can easily happen. It happens to so many. So I, I, I just remember that it was very distinct, very clear. Now remember it just wasn't like overnight. It was it was it was several nights of pondering and, and meditating and reflecting, having people speak into my life, but it just became clear at this period of my life. This is what God had called me to do, is to invest in souls. And so God started to put incredible people in my life. And then I started to go to school, met a great woman who's now my wife, Celia, who we have four kids now. And I remember years into our early ministry, working with families in Tucson, Arizona, going on college campuses to the University of Arizona doing some form of apologetics which just means giving a defense of the christian faith so when people attack it or use objections or the bible isn't true or there's no god or jesus isn't the only way or you're a bigot you're intolerant how do you respond to those kind of situations i remember you guys i was devouring every book i can get my hands on and in 2003 we had there's this conference in charlotte north carolina now i would never been to the east coast hadn't traveled much in my entire life but i remember showing this to my wife and i said would you would you Think that you know we had two small kids at the time. Would you think that we can go to this? And so I could be around some of these apolo- apologists like Dr. Norman geyser and Frank Turk and these guys. And she's like, "Yes, let's do it," because I know that's probably going to be the next step of ministry that we're going to walk ourselves into. At the time, we didn't mention it at all to anyone other than our parents, and they already knew mm-hmm. God is going to God is going to move us out. So we came to Charlotte, went to this conference, met a few people. Didn't think anything of it. But we remember the last meal that we had here in Charlotte in 2003 that God was calling us to pack our bags, to move. But we go back to Tucson, and, you know, the Internet's growing more. There's more things online. And we start applying in different church positions. I'm getting rejected left and right. I'm not even getting callbacks. Jason's used to that. Yeah, and the Benham brothers know about rejection, you know. And, yeah. and, and so I just, I just started to feel defeated. Hmm. One night, a friend came over. Who was doing ministry with us, and he says, You need to leave. If you stay here, Jason, you would be in sin. He called me out. And I remember that night, my wife goes to bed and she says, You need to spend time with the Lord. And I said, You're right, I need to spend time with the Lord and hearing this open rebuke from a dear friend that I respected. And I turned to Colossians chapter one, let me read verses nine and ten. It says, and so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, bearing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of the Lord. I remember that. I said, if Lord, if I want to grow in your knowledge, I need to leave. We packed our bags within that year and we left and we came to North Carolina to go to seminary at SES to, to learn under the greatest mind, I believe alive in the Christian faith, Dr. Norman Geyser. And we, I had no job had nothing. We had taken some of our savings and we had a no doc loan, which was not something wise really to do, yeah. but we just stepped out of faith and we just sold everything in Tucson, left both my, my wife's family and my family and came to a city that we didn't really know anybody. I didn't have a job. And I just started to take classes at SES to start to go to seminary to just learn apologetics, theology, and philosophy. And it was within about six months of not having a job, we were dwindling down to nothing. Our savings was just nothing. And I remember at that period of time, when we were looking at the finances and I was taking classes, I didn't even know how I was going to afford the next semester and raise my two kids and provide for them in healthcare and all those kind of things that weigh you down. And no job offers. I had this one job offer, and then it fell through. And and so I was feeling so discouraged, you guys, so depressed, felt like a loser. Why did I do this? What am I going to say to my family? What am I going to say to the church that sent me? You know, all these things. We thought we had it together. I thought I was going to get a job within the next month or two when I moved to Charlotte. Mm -hmm. Not happening. And I just remember God breaking me and just saying, Lord, this is not my plan. This is not my life. This is about you. But I know what you've called me to do. And then fast forward, God brought this amazing person in my life in this amazing church, and it just was just an eye-opening experience. And I say that, and there's so much more we can talk about, but I say that just on this podcast today because we know you guys, right? We're with a lot of people who feel a calling in their life, but they're not willing to make yeah. the sacrifice. They're not willing to say, I will leave father and mother. I will hate this in the world and love the Lord and trust that he has a greater plan And I'm telling you guys, when I read this verse in Colossians 1.10 in my life, and again, I was molested when I was a kid. Okay, Mm. I was violated when I was a kid. And just going through the trauma and going through that experience and having to be interviewed by Child Protective Services and and, and, and knowing that someone like like a family member would take advantage of innocence like that. Mm. I remember going through the bankruptcy with my family. I remember struggling in school. Having a learning disability and not able to speak in public, I would get my words mixed up. You know, when I'd read a book, I I couldn't follow instructions. What would average a, a kid 30 minutes to do homework took me two hours. I just remember guys feeling stupid for much of my life. I had tutors in elementary and I'm telling you guys, when you give your life to the Lord, you, you take all of these frailties and all these insecurities and you give it to the Lord and say, My identity is not in the poverty that I grew up in. My identity is not in losing a mom or being molested. My identity is in Christ. And God can use this.
0: And He can use it as a
1: testimony to help other people heal. That's why I'm here today. Yeah, yeah. one of the things I think it's interesting,
2: Jay, is um, we still grieve as believers with the death of your mother, with that molestation issue, but our grief doesn't end in despair, right? which brings depression, suicide, and all these other things. Our grief ends in hope. In other words, we have hope that there Mm -hmm. can be restoration. We can have hope that we will see God, we will see justice in this earth. Walk through real quick, and now I'm kind of taking your lead, (laughs) walk through real quick the whole molestation thing in terms of how you got through that why are you not bitter about that right now? Why, how, how are you able, and mm-hmm. I think I know the answer, but I want you to just walk through it because there are people listening to this or there are even other leaders that uh, are helping folks walk right. through this that can be uh, learned Well, I,
1: that, it's a good question. So I, I would say it was, again, it's, it sounds uh, very cheesy, but Jesus, I, I remember crying out to Jesus and it was really, it took me to about 19 years old. Really? When I remember encountering this family member who had already been suffering through some illnesses and he had a, a mini stroke. And so his memory loss, you know, was, was, was very, pre, very prevalent at that period of time. And I remember encountering him at a family function, didn't know he was going to be there, I hadn't seen him in years. And I remember I just wanted to go over there and just break his neck. Yeah. Like you know, that mm-hmm. the fact that he was there. That's
2: understandable. And and
1: being a young man, you know, I was doing kickboxing and lifting weights and thing, and I just I would destroy this guy. And I remember feeling that way and the grat- the gratification that was gonna come as a result yeah. of just envisioning that revenge. Yeah, sure. revenge. But then immediately I remember saying, Lord, I don't want that for my life. Now I hadn't really thought about it. I think that I buried it like a lot of victims do. They bury it, you know. And but I could see it was problematic in some areas of my life. But I remember at that moment. I looked at him, and, the, and when I cry out to the Lord for help, this, this empathy, this mm. forgiveness just covered me, just filled me. And I said, I do not want to walk in bitterness. I want to walk in forgiveness. Wow. I have forgiven him, and I want to live. I, just, I was just speaking at a, an event in California, and I had this mother come up to me afterwards. And when I had shared my testimony about being molested, she says, my son is in his late 30s, and he's yet to forgive the person who violated him. She's mm. like, how did you find that forgiveness? And I said, it's only in Jesus Christ ma'am i told yeah. her that i prayed over her she was crying and she says my son as a result of it has turned to substance abuse yeah. to cover it and it was very bad you guys i've mm-hmm. had many people i've had ancestral relationships people that have come to me sharing some sick twisted things but you know what there's forgiveness in jesus That's and right. so i think yeah. as, as uh, we're I was just going to say real, say real quick
2: hebrews twelve fifteen is a phenomenal verse for this but it says see to it that no one falls short of the grace of god And that no Mm. bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. So when we minimize the grace of God, Mm. even in the most disgusting... Circumstances doesn't mean we deny reality, we have to face the reality and say it was wrong, it is evil, there needs to be consequences. But the grace of God then brings forgiveness because scripture is clear that mercy triumphs over judgment. Mm -hmm. Judgment comes, in other words, what was done was wrong, but then the mercy of God comes in. So, what you're explaining now, you're not bound in bitterness. Your children see a root of bitterness in your life will Mm -hmm. become a tree that your children will swing from. Uh, in the next generation. And so when we're talking about standing strong, that, what you did at 19, where you actually went into your mind and you prayed and God filled you with empathy so that you didn't take vengeance into your own hands, that was standing strong. That was standing strong. That's what we're talking about. And that's
1: the message that we want to leave you guys listening right now to the sound of our voice or watching this episode that, you know what, no matter what you face. And that's the thing is we can't always just blame ourselves for the things that happen in our lives. This that's isn't right. a blame game or point the finger kind of thing, like from the garden that our ancestors did, you know, blaming God for the fault of their sin. But we tend to do that. And we're saying that if you want to stand strong, you can't be in the blame game business because when you do that, then you don't take responsibility To stand strong, we want you guys to know, is in the midst of whatever trial you're faced with, whatever hardship, whether it's a loss of love one that we've all experienced, or a traumatic experience. Right now we're living in the era of the Me Too, and the reality is there are a lot of people that we're seeing for the first time, sadly, that have buried these things for decades. And we need to be there to not just empathize with them, but also tell our story. And you know what? Healing only comes in the name of Jesus Christ when you cry out to Him. Only His blood can wash us from our sins. And so we want to leave you guys with that message that no matter what you're faced with, God is right there in the midst with you. He's not abandoned you. He's not forsaken you. He is the one who is faithful when we are faithless. So guys, thank you for listening to this episode. We love you. And until then, keep standing strong.
0: Thanks for listening to the, I will stand strong podcast. We hope you've been strengthened and given more courage to make a difference for God. The guys appreciate your support and would love to hear from you. Just go to IWillStandStrong.org and drop them a note. And while you're there, make sure to take the I Will Stand Strong play and join thousands of others, just like you, who are boldly declaring, I will stand strong by loving God and His Word, living in community with a heart of service, and leading as a voice of truth wherever I go. Until next time, keep standing strong.